Hello, and welcome to Amateur Attempts. Hello, viewers, and welcome to our Fuck It Friday episode. This is our third one, and this one encompasses, if you listen to the Wednesday episode, uh, new generation of small modular reactors. Um, so we both think this is pretty important for our actual future energy goals in regards to uh, climate change. Uh, we think a combination with renewables, this is pretty key. So the episode is going to be a chat with me and Dylan, of course, and we're going to go over roughly how they work and the pros and cons of some of our sort of questions and how it would fit into the future. Um, I think it's important to just be aware that these things are existing and are in the pipeline, so it's not all doom and gloom for our uh, for our planet's future. Uh, a couple corrections, though. The company I was mentioning is not uh, PowerX or XPower, it's X Energy. They're sort of at the forefront in terms of um, notoriety. Uh, they are using the helium, which is mentioned uh, as basically a a heat transfer material for their reactors so it still uses water for the steam of course but in terms of the heat transfer from the reactor core to the water to then boil uh, it is helium um, and their modular reactors the start as one which is 80 megawatts uh, and then they sort of fit nicely into a four uh, a four part modular system for um, I think 360 megawatts so that's how that works um, that's where they're at and then there's another major company, which is actually the one that's backed by Bill Gates, um, so not X Energy. It's a company called TerraPower. Uh, they're also competing uh, pretty similarly with a slightly different design. Um, and they added molten salt storage, basically, which means that the reactor can output more if necessary. And then that heat can be, well, actually, I suppose it could just um, output the same even when the energy needs are lower. And this, the heat can be stored in this molten salt material. And then at a later date, when high output is needed, uh, it can actually output more than is normal for, for high demand situations like in the evening and such. So normal output is estimated about 345 megawatts. And um, with the boost, it would be 500 megawatts. Um, so a little bit of a higher overall uh, unit, but I think that's also one unit versus the other ones which are smaller, which would have uh, some uses. Um, so that's how that works. A couple of corrections for the episode. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy just a good chat about hopefully the, the some future of our energy. Thanks, Dylan. For fuck's sake, can you just stop stigmatizing nuclear power reactors? Never. All right, it's fair. We're, we're backing off. The lobby there has one. Exactly. All I gotta do is say never or no. It just stops people. Thanks for, for listening. <laughs> I would like to swerve away from your question with uh, false facts. Okay. Okay. But anyway, so uh, for this Friday episode, uh, which is related to our Wednesday episode, we're going to talk about uh, the new generation of nuclear reactors that well, will hopefully help us transition to renewable energy. Or specifically mini-reactors, yes. as they call them. Well, this is what the new generation is designed, is to make smaller projects that are more affordable with smaller time frames versus large, traditional, like, decade-long projects that are normally, like, somewhere around $10 billion to produce start to finish yep. before they start making money. So... As far as I can tell, they're combined together to where they're not really going to make the well, same equivalent large power plants. To be more specifically, I think they were saying that for the uh, $10 billion, it takes about, what, 10 years of construction? Yeah, or 10 decade, years of yeah. not construction, but to get your money back, essentially? Yeah, because you can't versus, make any money until you produce energy. Yep. While versus mini rigs or mini silos, it takes 10 years to build, but only two years to get back revenue. No, no, I believe it takes two years to build. No, no, well, it's, it takes about the same overall length, but my understanding is it takes two years to actually start getting revenue, and while the other one is 10 for 10 matched. 
Well, okay. Uh, so I think... Okay, we'll double check that. Let's go I think there's, to a, the... there's a different way of wording this. So <laughs> the way he does... So we were talking about gentlemen. I forget what the company was called. Was it PowerX? Something X? No, it actually, was the It was sure. the Bill Gates-backed company, right? Yes. So because they're modular, that literally means you can just connect multiple easily. You can scale up massively or yes. do individual. So I'm thinking if you're going with a 10-year time frame, if that was what was mentioned, that... It means that you can have reactors running whilst you continue to add more reactors. Yeah. So I was under the impression that they could get one done within two years. So then like, bam, done, making money, finished. And then if you wanted to continue to add ones, it's really just a smaller project to add more reactors. So instead of this 10-year time frame of like, well, politics and budget constraints and changes, you know, if these things happen within 10 years... Trying to get one project done is uh, it's crazy. That's this no longer happening anymore, pretty much. So exactly, smaller ones with a two-year time frame, we can make that happen. You can, you can fend off the lobbyists long enough to get the thing powered up. Honestly, we'll think of it as our infrastructure system. It's the same exact style, and I guess up to political banter. Mm. I imagine, like, yeah. Like I think the time frame. I mean, what was it? We have what works. a little over what almost six thousand bridges in the U.S. in total, and like I think they said about eighty percent of them are like unsafe to drive. Oh, I believe by. the <laughs> I forget what government agency did a rating, but what they were like D minus overall yes. our transportation system. Yeah, there was one state that actually built a bridge under a bridge to stop the parts from falling onto another bridge. Ah. Classic yeah. maneuver. <laughs> well, cars Check are still mate. driving over the bridge. Oh, I was like, oh, Jesus. But yeah. yeah, so the same thing. So I think the idea with these mini solos, these mini reactors, is that instead of, you know, building one humongous reactor that, depending on when it was built and, you know, the method used for cooling their radium, um, just isn't as efficient as now what we have with helium-based cooling systems. If you get a smaller reactor version... Build that first. Only takes about two years, right? And it basically, almost maybe match half the power of your initial bigger mm. silos. Yeah, and then just keep building little ones next to. The, and next, you know, you have eight mini silos, but yeah. they're just as powerful, if not more powerful, than like every reactor currently in the U.S. Mm. Well, yeah, because well, I think actually it's not even a disadvantage in oh, any it's way. No, no, that's if you think about having no energy. To then having like multiple, I believe it's in the megawatts, not gigawatts yet for a particular nuclear plant. Correct, yeah. So that's actually a problem because you have to build the infrastructure up around this plant for whatever your need is. So before the plant exists, you're either going to have to have a system to siphon power from existing areas or you're just going to have an energy deficit. Yes. It's just going to be a lack of energy. So having smaller, basically, buffers is a better idea. Yes. And the fact that you can turn them off and on uh more you know basically having more smaller ones means that the process of turning them off and on is easier because they're designed that way because they are modular and you know more more modern and designed to not be as uh i think the key point you know, too is designed to be maintained actually, easier yeah no think of it almost like a house per se you have more than one light switch it'd be the same equivalent it's like well yeah. we don't need this much power so let's switch off mini reactor eight you know what i mean yeah Oh, we don't need this much power. We actually lose both seven and six. Yeah. And then just when we need more power, it's like, oh, flip them all back on, boys. Like, you know, Jared, how is thirty-two doing? Haven't checked in a week. My bad. Well, your, you know, your your traditional single single uh, reactor. It's just on. Um, it's just on. All there's no just real turning it off. So you can't afford to turn it off. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe there's some variance in output. But basically, it's it's a lose lose of inefficiency, and it has exactly. to go somewhere because everything is. Uh, basically flows through a turbine to make steam 
Yep. And that turbine is what generates electricity, just like an alternator. Yep. Per se. Um, so you, you you have that constraint of like, well, we have this heat and it has to go somewhere. So it actually costs energy, I'm sure, to waste electricity. Yep. Um, so, I, I mean, basically well, what we're saying is we can't wait. There's a reason why steam in general hasn't really kicked off in terms of a form of energy. Yeah. You know, once it's done, it's done being conductive. It just nothing gives it. It all be the equivalent of actually it'd be kind of like helium, right? When because it's flammable, right? When you light helium, it's not a long burn. Once mm. it lights, it's almost like immediately out. While yeah. you let's say you set something on fire, like um, ooh, I'm trying to think, uh, uh, magnesium, right? Mm. If you have a long enough strip of it, it burns for a second. It's super bright too. You won't be able so, to see it though because you'll be blind. Yes, exactly. Don't, it's it's like welding. Don't look at. <laughs> look away, Timmy. Closed eyeballs. I can't help it, Mama. It's so oh, <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> it burns, but it's beautiful. Oh Lord, I don't know this child. So, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, that's why I'm wondering in terms of uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's true. So with steam, yeah, you just don't get anything in terms of like that's a that's a major byproduct loss that you can't use well, anything for. So. Kind of actually talked about the same thing with like when we mm. like when we use natural gas to make other products mm. and the byproduct is helium. Mm. It's kind of like that's actually usable versus the byproduct of irradiated water is steam, which you have just ionized well, particles. Mm, I, I think we might be getting a slightly mixed up in this because my belief is that these new reactors still use steam. No, I'm talking about the old ones. No, no they use, but they use it with helium, and I think really with that mm. helium because no, no, okay, so we got doing we, we, we can separate this. So there's the heat byproduct of yes. the reactors in terms of cooling them yes. and making that efficient. But all of the reactors still use, and that includes, I think, also natural gas and coal, is everything runs through a generator yes. that steam is pushing up. So steam, yes. basically steam is what is being pressurized to spin this turbine, which has blades, which then creates electricity and is then sent. So... Um, Trying to figure out your point exactly about steam in regards to the old ones. Are you talking about the actual water system for cooling well, the reactor, right? No, well, that, that's it. Because with, with helium, with, I said, having, you can make sodium out of it, too. I think it's just a great cooling effect. Because that's why I was talking about ionized particles, like anything that's charged or heated, hmm. is as efficient versus cooled. You know? Yeah. I mean, isotope. So I think basically, what let's, let's sum up the benefits of this new technology, basically, so actually, using a I helium can, jacket. I guess sum this up better. You know, it's kind of like when you buy like a we have a stock radio in your car. And you buy like an aftermarket one that's supposed to reduce your fucking transmission engine temps down. Has by more like blue LEDs. Thirty. It's <laughs> more blue LEDs, but it's the same concept. It just basically the helium just cre- it just doesn't release as much heated steam pressure versus cooled steam pressure, which is more efficient. Mm. Well, isn't it better at heat transfer itself? It is way better. That's why they're right. using it. So, so that is a technology in regards to simply transferring the heat straight from the reactor itself that it's generating, which all reactors pretty much use some sort of jacket or uh, mater- in-between middle ground material yep. to send the heat that can be then sent to something movable and usable to then create steam. Yes. Because whatever material they're using, which for this case would be helium, they're trying to put it through a uh, what molten salt storage that can then be used later on to heat steam at a later date. Yes, correct. So basically, it's it's all about the transferring of this heat most efficiently. Yep. And 
so with this helium, which we mentioned the uh, the, the Wednesday episode, which is why it was interesting, is this is going to be key for these new reactors, and depending on how successful they are, which hopefully is very, oh. you're going to need to use a lot more. Also, the firm we were trying to figure out earlier, Bill Gates' company, it's uh, Terra Power. I guess a partnership with uh, GE Hitachi Nuclear Energy to mm. uh, get this, well, this both this helium mini rig uh, generator going on, and then the uh, using salt storage as well. Okay. Okay. So, so, so this, so that's his interesting point, which we'll come back to later in terms of storage, because there's a couple ways to think about that, and actually how we're really lacking right now for that. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so this helium is interesting. So basically, it's just it's literally like next generation. It's like iPhone four to like iPhone ten. Like you have major upgrades. They're it's the same thing, but it's not really comparable. Yeah. Right. It's just it's a major jump to where we as consumers of just energy will feel be feel better. Because this change is, I think it's mainly what, it's safer and it's more efficient, right? Well, it's supposed to be safer, more efficient, and then also last longer. Because mm. the idea of, of course, the molten salt energy itself, you know, storing that, um, it sounds like it's supposed to basically, you know, it's one of those more efficient byproducts of the whole mm. nuclear process anyway. Yeah. You're just storing longer, which, because, for example, your traditional uh, nuclear facility, when it, you know, uses those uranium rods, once they're spent, they're spent. Yep. And it's basically so there's a, there's the a consumable then, that needs to be uh, basically stored underground. It needs to be securely stored because it but, is then a byproduct that's waste. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's pure waste versus yeah. if you take this strategy, you're basically just having you having your main consumption energy, but then you're also having your byproduct that's also just another energy that you're storing. So yeah. it's not degrading underground. It's still you know a usable source. Kind of like we're talking about helium storage. It's not really something that's meant for long-term storage you know nor is it because helium itself is a breakdown it's always trying to escape exactly you know with nuclear radiation it's not trying to sort of escape but that's it can be it can be reasonably contained yep so but then we develop enough of it where you have such a wasted byproduct that is staying there mm. versus having energy storage where it's a byproduct of the nuclear process but it's actually used for something mm. versus just basically matter just like deadly fucking matter just yeah the problem with nuclear power plants other than the possibility of meltdown currently is that all of them produce waste yeah and it's not it's not contributing to global warming it's per se directly indirectly with construction and infrastructure for it probably is you know that's a good question i'm wondering in terms of maybe five years from now exactly though how long would the molten salt energy last Mm. before it also breaks down is it it's good for 50 years or five years or yeah well so i'm curious does the helium the helium doesn't mix with the sodium it It is said there's a there's there's a sealed transfer process per se where they don't touch correct so the heat so technically that wouldn't be a waste product it would be what's going on with the helium because that's the only thing in contact with the reactor itself well yeah so it's just the helium you have to worry about, not the salt storage. No, 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 no. I know that. Are you just talking about in terms of its actual usage before you have to replace it? Yeah, exactly. Because we don't have to worry about the, the wastage of that because it's just inert. Well, but that's what I'm wondering in terms of the, the salt storage itself because that's a lot of sodium we're talking about here, you know? I'm curious about like long-term exactly how long the Scalasco, like, for example, when you like you salt meat, it's supposed to you, like, cure it for like up to I think like three months or whatever. Mm. You know, I'm wondering if it's like similar process where eventually, though, you'd have to use that store energy because the salt has degraded. So it's like, you know, it's kind of earlier we talked about like flipping the switches with the actual mm. mini rigs where it's like, oh, we don't need this much power. Uh, you know what I mean? 
And then it turns yeah. into, oh, we should look at our spreadsheet. Let's see how much extra energy reserve pockets we have. It's like, oh, mm. well, that one's about to expire. We should probably switch off a reactor and use that instead. So is this our is this our tangent to energy storage then? Is this where we're getting at? No, I, well, we're trying to, I mean, let's face it, we're trying to talk about the two main, you know, traditional processes of, you know, trying to get energy in terms of, you know, radioactive materials. So there's only two we talked about, which is your initial... You know, iridium rods with basically large vats of pools, water ionizes it. So the BF spent rods that don't lead to anything. Mm-hmm. And then we have the modern version, which was still developed in the same time frame, where it's the same process, but it was just helium. And now you just have some crazy byproducts that are good mm. in terms of like a good byproduct of energy, as we were talking about earlier with natural gases, where once you actually take those and make methane and stuff like that, you still get a byproduct of helium, which is a plus. Yeah. So. I wonder, that's why I'm curious in terms of how long I said they're well, going to last. Well, it's interesting of- because water only has a, it has a relatively low boiling point. And in terms of when it gets to the boiling point, you have steam, so then the problem is to deal with its pressure, right? So that's why we kind of have to go through the water. Is there's also probably a level of sub- absorption that the water can take before it's no longer useful. You know, with the, uh, with the, with the, uh, with the radiation, I'm sure. So... I'm curious with helium, there just there just has to be more benefits in terms of the scientific way of looking at it. That uh, I'm curious if it basically is just much more long term, and maybe it's not really affected by actual radioactivity as much. So it can be basically a sealed system. No, it is a sealed system. Why? I mean, in terms of like how long is it going to last? Because I was curious, basically your traditional, you know, Iranian pellets and all that stuff into mm. a rod. I was curious about how much energy you basically get, and then the after effect of mm. just having spent rods. So supposedly, once they get heat up, and this is your standard twelve foot long fuel rod of you know radium pellets, they only last about six years, and then it's done. So I'm yeah. kind of wondering with this new process because it's a helium supposed to basically, I guess, make it a little more efficient. You know, I wonder if it's going to last twelve years or twenty years, mm. and then the byproducts, how long do those last as well? Because we know, for example, it's vice versa with uranium in terms of pellets, because once they're spent. You know, it's good for six years of energy, but then you have a, you know, terrible byproduct. You know, that's why I'm curious because that kind of, I don't know, it's questionable if it really actually goes back to our, I guess, stigmatization of like nuclear energy. Isn't necessarily a good thing. You get six years of plentiful energy, but then you get a material that takes 50 years to degrade completely. Mm. You know, well, so, this is going to be a next generation. Yeah, no, so there has to be tangible improvements for it to be worth it, which is what they're, they're going for. Yeah, well, see, that's what I'm curious about. And I also think that if um, if the, if they're if if the companies that are trying to figure out the markets for it, you know the people in charge of marketing and trying to fit find niches for these initially so that we can start making them and you know putting them into mainstream uh, society and have them in our in our cities and large towns and such and even smaller towns. Yeah, there has to be a practicality where they don't have to worry about that. So there, it had, it clearly has to last longer or not have the same issue. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's why I mean, that's what I'm curious exactly how long it's going to last before we see, I guess, major, if we're going to see major issues after mm. or during the process. And then also, actually, about that, depending on, yeah, you might be in a rural region, but I'm curious in terms of, because we talked about earlier, honestly, oh, the, best, the rural ones are the leaky ones. <laughs> well, we were talking about, you know, and th- really, if you want to be completely, we're talking about eco friendly, like off the grid in the whole United States, you'd have to have a mixture of wind turbines electric solar panels and like mini nuclear rigs mm. so i wonder also there's more real ranges that they just adopt turbines at that point like just wind turbines because 
Yeah. Well, preferably, I, I, I think yeah, to be honest with the with with the rate things are going in terms of curbing our um, our emissions and global warming and transferring to where just we reduce that so we don't reach those critical earth warming temperatures is uh, it's going to be a combination practically. I think that's why this is actually gaining traction, yep. especially amongst government groups and think tanks and stuff. Not so much within the public because it's not talked about much and there's still hoo-ha especially with mainstream media oh bro we're still talking about the election at this point yep <laughs> who won again a humans at least in the united states we don't know how to adapt to new changes yeah. pretty quickly nope it's like what do you mean they don't make the pontiac fiero bacon's good for me <laughs> yes exactly um so yeah so uh with that point being said there's it's going to be a combination because practically uh, not a, not everyone can have solar. Not everyone can have wind turbines. And right now, our technology has definitely reached a, an inflection point where it makes more sense versus going the non-renewable route. If you look at the big picture, like if you start doing the math of finances long term for major projects, putting that in as well as the consciousness of having to do it anyway for our survival, um, it makes a lot more financial sense. Just big projects, residentials, you know, roof rooftop solar turbine farms, things like that. It just it, it makes more sense now than it ever has because the cost has come down versus honestly like 30, 40 years ago. So um, that's a good question actually. So for our listeners, what do we th- when do we think we're gonna actually start being able to build these mini rigs? What when 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 do we think we'll see our first project? I think so because we earlier we we learned that basically it takes ten years to make a standard nuclear reactor. Mm. You know, so I'm wondering. You know, in our lifetime, when we're actually going to see, because we're at the basic conceptualization point, like they actually haven't built one yet. So I'm wondering how much longer till they build one. Well, they built they've, there, they've built prototypes in labs that function. They yeah, just don't have a commercial viable economically. Yes, so I'm curious. Uh, viable to, option. Yes, I'm curious when we get to that stage, what will happen afterwards? I'm curious. I'm gonna go with Dylan. Eight years. Eight years. Okay. Okay. You know, I'm I'm thinking maybe twelve. Okay, I'm thinking a little bit longer because I don't okay. know, man. I look at some cards like we we, just, we looked at earlier the. Oh, wait, wait, um, preface this: international or domestic? Oh well, we're talking about going back to cars real fast. That um, with the Honda Clarity, the first one where it was just the EV only got like 89 miles of range. Yeah, and this is what 2019 was last year that they did it. So in 2019, I mean, Tesla's almost every other car company has a lot larger range. Mm. Before all electric well, vehicles. Well, so 2019 so was the year the car came out, right? I would actually hazard that you would be surprised how many manufacturers were in similar frames. Yeah. Uh, the e-Golf had low hundreds. The new Nissan Leaf base model had low to mid hundreds. The only other car, which is the only one I like, is the Chevy Paul. But isn't that nuts though? Like basically, that took, was over 200. What is? I think it's just because, like, I mean, Honda's an example of her because I think they had the plug-in too at the same time. You know. Yeah. That's like, well, if you're already here, hmm. why'd you basically backtrack? Yeah. Well, I think, so for example, like the e-Golf, clearly that was a test bed after a whole diesel gate for Volkswagen. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a test bed, which if, if they have long-term goals to where they, they learn from it and they can start building it, once again, the whole electric car timeline is a phenomenon in itself because you yep. have to either go balls all balls um, in or you're done. Well, not just that, too. Even if you look at, like, cell phone technology, the same thing. I mean, not so much of the all balls in this, but, like, example of... One ball in. I'm not going to talk crap on the exact brand because I don't want to get sued, but uh, 
our good old friends at Fruit. Um, yeah, you know the pear company. <laughs> yep. Um, you know, I, you know those phones don't really change. You go from generation to fruit to fruit, mm. and uh, yeah, no, no vegetable difference. yet. No vegetable. It's like, look at that. You got a six camera. That that's like okay. Yeah. Well, you know. So the same thing. I feel like that's kind of with like cars. So I'm wondering because uh, you know the consolidation of just trying to adapt this you know from paper into a real life project mm. i that's why i think it's gonna be 12 15 years down the line because well, just even to a, get to like initial production of parts you know yeah yeah um do we want to continue on this electric car route or do we want to bring this around because we could well, we could run a bit i got a couple thoughts but do we want to stick well to... you know what viewers i want to save you for a treat for i think we should save that to our tangent tuesday a christmas special actually <laughs> <laughs> Christmas is over, Dylan. Exactly. Ruined. <laughs> Forgot the ham. Um, well, that that's so a good question. It, what day of the week car, that would be? Because that's a long tangent. Well, as you said, the electric car history within itself is immense. You know, so mm. it's well, those things probably save another day. But get back to reactors. Yeah, I don't. It's going to be interesting to see exactly how long it takes to get one built and seeing the, the uh, effects of it. Yeah. Um, so a couple other benefits I think we should probably go over is. Um, According to the designers of some of the major ones right now, there's a basically a design of no runaway issues like, for example, Chernobyl. So, I mean, that was 84. Obviously, it was built before 84, so that technology is now on 50 years old. Yep. Um, but basically, they're designed to where they require less maintenance. I think, I believe, less manpower. Exactly. Because if you have modular, you can't really... I mean, I would imagine you don't want to have a large group at each of these modular reactors or they're in separate locations such and such around the country for each you know municipality and such mm -hmm. um so they're probably designed to be just like i said future proof like self-contained replaceable um not bespoke because the thing with nuclear reactors now is they have designs that are shared yep you know in the basic principle but it's still all bespoke for the individual project and so it's so expensive uh, you know someone has to basically there has to be, you know, an architect of this. Obviously, it's it's engineering, um, but someone has to design the system for the needs and then figure out who can manufacture this, which I'm sure there's only a limited amount of manufacturers in the world who can make these certain parts or, you know, have the engineering capacity to make the, the various hardware and software and such for these main nuclear reactors now, which is why they're so expensive. It takes so long because they're bespoke. They're basically handmade, but obviously in, in, uh, in heavy industry. So with these ones, it's basically like, it's like iPhones. It's just like stamp them out. Well, I got a, a, a better explanation of how to, I guess, simplify uh, that whole process. You know, I kind of think of it like uh, airplanes, right? In terms of like propulsion, they've changed, but the overall shape has it really. Mm. You look at like the Boeing range, for example, at like the newer ones, the 787, it's all just the same plane, but maybe slightly enlarged, maybe slightly, you know, no crazy it's changes. It's almost modular per se. For the best that it can be. But only a few manufacturers can make a plane of that size. Because they are intensely complicated. Yes. Billion dollar projects. You know, if you want to get one new versus, you know, used. But even then, which is it looks like a part two of that too. So they have cruise ships. You know, only certain shipyards can make a cruise ship. But then to get one up to date where it's going to be good for hopefully 10 years. Or no, it's, if they, it's one of the things we don't talk about is our, is our heavy industries. Yep. Or if, because now I was watching a maze documentary on how, like, if they want to extend a cruise ship that already exists, they basically just hoist it out of the water and cut off sections 
and then insert a new section. And it is, uh, it's funny that the, the, the economics of that still makes sense. Yep. Because it's still like chopping an arm off. Yep. And then trying to add someone else's arm. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we can, yeah, we can put a Band-Aid on that, put a little bit of glue there. It's good as new, and it looks like a mess. But, like, you know, they have to cut all the wiring, all these, you know, all these HVAC, air, water, you know, gas, electricity, waste, all these systems. And they can do it, but there's it's probably only so many, there's probably single digit, um, what do you call them, foundries? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. these, these, um, you know, these, these dry docks where they can do this is only a certain amount of dry docks that can house these really large container yep. ships and cruise ships. Um, but even our Navy, like the aircraft carriers, I mean, basically the only reason we have big and big Navy budget is they have to keep making ships on this slow time <clears throat> period constantly so that mm -hmm. we don't lose the skills. Yep. Of those industries, because you can't remake that. You're like, fuck, how do we make that again? Well, on top of that, you know, trying, China. To, trying to update some of those ships, because it's not mm -hmm. like a cruise ship where, I don't want to say it's simple, because it's not simple whatsoever, but, like, in terms of, like, with a military vessel... an extra vessel, layer of complexity. Well, it'd be like with a military vessel trying to actually chop it and extend it. Can you imagine that, given, like, the yeah. coating on some of those materials... Some of the weapon systems, like it's one of those things you just like, can't really. The national security it, clearances, the redundancies, all that. Yeah. Which yeah. Once again, what was our point? Well, the point I was trying to say with like mini reactors could be the same principle where it's it's not there an industry go. that's there yet in terms of like heavy manufacturing. It's relatively new because this is the first I think. Well, not necessarily the first time, but this is the first idea of trying to really downsize a reactor where it's having a one big reactor. You just have a bunch of smaller ones that are just as productive, if not more, and less wasteful. So, but trying to dumb that down essentially, you yeah. know, because with cruise ships, I mean, I, I can't imagine when they actually decided, okay, well, this is how we'll improve them. You know what I mean? Or this is how we're going to shore one or extend one or scrap one. We just chop them quite literally. Yeah. So because with reactor, it's like, how do you chop a reactor? I the analogy that comes to my mind, which makes about thirty percent sense, is like putting lipstick on a whale. That's all what? I can. That's all I can think of. Cruise ships are just big, bumbling, crashy fucks. That is all. Oh fuck! Take that home with you, people. Um, but a uh, fun fact: cruise ships are designed to just get out under the water barely, and then keep you entertained before they hit the dock and crash. <laughs> cruise ships. Cruise ships. All right. Well, uh, you know, some of the open reactors. So I think about, you know, our future in terms of trying to find alternative energy is becoming more and more of a necessity every day. Um, so I, it's something we'll probably see more eventually once we figure out not only how we get funding for that, but to get past the politics of bureaucracy, to then go from paper to production is going to be interesting. We, we forgot a point. Yeah. Storage. So the story, the point I want to okay. bring up here is that regardless of what we do in terms of our of our energy needs in the future, and I think preferably it is a combination depending on the circumstances because not everyone has the same weather, uh, the same culture, the same space, such and such, is you need to have a way to store it because you can have all the energy of the, in the world, but when you have a spike or when you have a drastic reduction in energy like 2 a.m., mm -hmm. you can't continue to be doing, doing the same... Um, the same layouts of how we do it now. Like, you remember our brownouts in California we yep. had the previous year? Because mm -hmm. it got hot, the AC usage, we just didn't have the supply. And that was more bureaucracy and the fact that our, our energy system is not um, all public. Some of it is privatized. Well, I think we can't test on that before. It's kind of like the light switch thing in a house. I mean, in terms yep. of with a one main reactor, you can't just turn it off and mm -hmm. turn it back on. It's, yeah. it's basically, once well, it's on, it's on. So 
a fun fact to think about is the fact that Tesla power walls are a thing. Yeah. Before that, it was like, oh, well, it can be done, it's whatever. But the fact that just this small battery that doesn't run your house forever, but it gives you the buffer that you need for if you have that set up with solar panels, you can be taken care of. You know, you don't have that brownout. So the main point, I think, is you actually need to think about energy storage, which, you know, for, for these reactors, they have, um, what is it, uh, sodium salt, right? Sodium. Yes. Right. So they have well, that as a way. Molten as an in- salt. Yeah. So that's an intermediary be- between... Um, the reactor and straight up powering something so they can store that heat for a different time period which is extremely handy so i think it has to be a combination of that and as of right now battery storage mm, which yep. is coming into its own and it's something i think is really key um is microgrids things like that you can just change the way the power layout works and it'll basically smooth things out so that we have more options so Something to keep an eye out for. Hopefully, our government can be a lot more nimble yes. with this because uh, it's just so traditional. I'm with the coal lobbying. Like, that has to go. Coal is just killing us all. Yep. We have to find a practical way of transitioning like those workers and stuff fairly. We need an alternative fuel or energy like yeah. now, people. Now. Yeah. Um, and we need to find a smart way of just taking care of those people because money is technically infinite. Yep. Right? Exactly. But our time is not, so we, we, we bitch and moan about money, but we spend money left, right, and center as a government and as a species. So we need to figure out how we can get off coal, reduce our use of natural gas because its convenience is being outweighed now by its pollution. Exactly. Because it still pollutes just less than coal, and nuclear pollutes way less technically, so hence this conversation, is it's a combination of these things that fits the bill with energy storage, which is rarely talking about. Oh. Yeah. I think we summed that beautifully up. That is an important note. (laughs) Well, thank you, viewers, and uh, see you next episode. Take it easy. Thanks.